Our reading today is from the book of Acts, the 11th chapter. Now the apostles and the believers who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also accepted the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him, saying, why did you go to uncircumcised men and eat with them? Then Peter began to explain it to them, step by step, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. There was something like a large sheet coming down from heaven, being lowered by its four corners, and it came close to me. As I looked at it closely, I saw four-footed animals, beasts of prey, reptiles, and birds of the air. I also heard a voice saying to me, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. But I replied, By no means, Lord, for nothing profane or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But a second time the voice answered from heaven, What God has made clean you must not call profane. This happened three times, then everything was pulled up again to heaven. At that very moment, three men sent to me from Caesarea arrived at the house where we were. The Spirit told me to go with them and not to make a distinction between them and us. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen the angel standing in his house and saying, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will give you a message by which you and your entire household will be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, just as it had happened upon us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave them the same gift that he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could hinder God? When they heard this, they were silenced. And they praised God, saying, Then God has given even to the Gentiles the repentance that leads to life. Word of God, word of life. Good morning. It was the fall of 1990, and I was a college sophomore who decided, with no particular experience or athletic ability, to go out for women's cross-country running. I'll never forget my first junior varsity cross-country race. It was a 5K. I was ridiculously underprepared. And for whatever reason, nerves or adrenaline, I started sprinting when the gun went off. Sprinting and 5Ks do not go together, I would soon learn. And would you guess that for the first 100 yards or so of the race, I was in the lead <laughs> until things got really painful. And then one by one, a steady stream of 10, 20, 30, maybe even more runners passed me by. I had committed one of the cardinal sins of running, going out way too fast. And then I committed another. I looked back to see who was behind me. And you know what I saw? It was a golf cart. <laughs> yep, it was the golf cart that follows the last runner. 
In the distance, I could barely make out the woman who, the woman who had last passed me. She was a dot on the horizon. But now I had this golf cart hot on my tail. I turned around and screamed, will you slow down? <laughs> we often talk about learning to follow the Spirit or looking to where the Spirit leads, but I wonder if the Spirit isn't sometimes like a harassing golf cart that presses in on us from the rear, pushing us ahead when we would rather give up, slow down, or duck out when no one is looking. I see that push of the Spirit in our text today. I see a push of the Spirit in the way these new believers in Jesus, who were primarily Jews, are moved to cross boundaries, pushed into wider and wider circles of belonging. This push begins at Pentecost, at the very beginning of the book of Acts, when Jews from all lands and all tongues are filled with the Holy Spirit. And the push continues when Peter and John lay hands on Samaritans who also received the Holy Spirit. And in our story today, we learn of another widening of the circle that the gift of the Holy Spirit that leads to new life in Christ has been given to the Gentiles, too. Can you imagine that earliest group of believers in Jesus turning back and screaming, will you just slow down, God? This distinction between circumcised and uncircumcised believers in Jesus might seem trivial to us today, but purity laws were foundational to how the Israelites identified themselves as people set apart to serve and honor God. These were not trivial legalisms, but sacred practices and acts of trust between God and God's people. And so what a difficult and painful position Peter is in as a circumcised believer himself, as he's trying to defend this ever-widening circle of God's grace to his own back in Jerusalem. And what he has to offer those who criticize him is a testimony of his experience. He shares his story of strange visions from God and stranger events taking place in a Gentile's home, a place where he, as a Jew, was not even supposed to share a table. Peter had no facts or figures or powers of persuasion. His arguments were thin, and his storytelling required the most fantastical of imaginations. But when Peter was done sharing his story, when his mic dropped and the room went completely silent, it was the spirit pressing into the moment that suddenly revealed to those who were present the link between the word of God that they knew, which was the Torah, 
and the new word in Jesus that was now coming into being. It was not the act of the Apostle Peter, but the act of the Spirit that pressed upon them a new understanding that they all, whether circumcised or uncircumcised, whether Jew or Gentile, belonged to God and that they belonged to one another. So while this is a story about Peter, this isn't a story about what Peter did. Peter was not the agent of God's grace. Peter was a witness to what the Spirit was doing in Peter's midst. And the Spirit really had to push to get Peter's attention. Let me tell you, the heavens had to break open. Creatures of all kinds descended from the sky. God had to bellow out at him not one, not two, but three times. Holy angels had to provide direction to a man named Cornelius, and the Holy Spirit had to fall upon the Gentiles just for Peter to begin to piece together all that was happening. Peter didn't micromanage this radical transformation of community that occurred because it was done. Grace and forgiveness, life and belonging for all was what God in Jesus Christ had already done. And the circumcised and uncircumcised believers of the day, and you and I and the rest of the world, we the church and we in society, we are the ones who construct and maintain artificial boundaries between people based on race, culture, ethnicity, gender, sexual orientation, and identity. It is us who struggle to keep up with the new word. What do you think would have happened had Peter refused to tell the others about the vision he had seen, one wise member of my weekly Bible study asked. Would the Spirit have found another way to bring the good news to the Gentiles? Yep, most of us agreed. Try as we might, we can't keep pace with all that God is doing in the world. Sometimes we think we can make out the Spirit moving on ahead on the horizon, but sometimes we, like Peter, need a giant push from a golf cart coming in from the rear. The transformation into beloved community is far from complete, at least here on earth. So when we grow weary of conversations of welcome and inclusion, may we remember that we proclaim a God who drops in from heaven and breaks all the rules about who is in and who is out. And when we don't know how to take the next step, may we share our stories and our experiences like Peter did and invite the Spirit in. And when we fear difference and the unknown, may we bear witness to a God who is still speaking a new word among us. 
Praise be to our God who tries and tries again to press into our hearts that we all belong to God and to one another. Amen.